0: Okay, I'm recording because we're on a time crunch, and I almost had an aneurysm for the last hour that I've been here, um, and I'm ready to (laughs) retire from podcasting.
1: Yeah, everyone, this is the final show.
0: I'm fucking over it. We have leveled up. Our, we've
1: really leveled up. Yeah, we've
0: leveled up our audio setup, but like now we have two mics. Before, we were using one mic because we're poor, and we yeah. were sharing it. And it, you know, I think our audio has been actually pretty good for these mm-hmm. last nine mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just time to upgrade, so now we have our own mics, but getting them both to work has been...
1: Yeah, that was an ordeal. Yeah, it was an experience. But we're here. We're queer. Okay, welcome, bitches. Welcome
0: to episode 10 of Two Servings of Fruit. I can't believe we're in our double digits.
1: Oh my god, that's right. This is episode 10. This is episode 10. <gasps> oh my gosh. And
0: I really thought it was special that we were upgrading our setup for episode 10. That's so true. I didn't even that. And it turned out to be a that. horrible experience. And now I...
1: It's worth it. It's worth it in the long run.
0: I mean, long now run. we figured it out. I'm sure there's an easier way to do it, but whatever.
1: Chase is tearing up as we speak.
0: I was having a really <laughs> good morning too. Like I took my vitamins and my medication. And is that I put a euphemism? SPF <laughs> <on>. <laughs> That's a euphemism? No, I just was having like a good morning. Like I woke up feeling like
1: Ready to ready to 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 pod.
0: Yeah, just like I had my shit together this morning and now I just feel like I don't have anything together at all.
1: Well, we we Turn that frown upside down, okay? Because today we're fucking talking about religion. We have a guest today, Guthrie Graves Fitzsimmons. He's yes. gonna be joining us later yes. in our episode.
0: Today's overarching topic is religion from like a queer perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
0: I think of and I feel like a lot of people think of religion and and queerness as antonyms.
1: Yeah. For sure. And uh, Guthrie is a proud out-gay man and also a very vocal Christian, so we're going to be asking him lots about how he squares that circle.
0: How he squares that circle, I like that. Yeah. Have you used that before?
1: Yes. That's an expression. Is it? Yeah, for sure. Squares that circle? Squaring a circle, yeah. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) 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 But first, you know what time it is, baby. Wish it a week. Yup, yup do we have a new jingle no
0: okay so <laughs> let's let's keep counting the weeks that liam says he'll do a new jingle yeah and then does not
1: yeah pretty much <laughs> anyways cue jingle Weird, it's the weirdest shit that you've ever seen this week Yeah, welcome to Wow, that was actually kind of nice. Thanks. It's because I have this microphone in front of me now. It's going to sound so much fucking better. <laughs> Do you want to go first? Do you have your W Yeah, okay, I'll go first. Or? I'll go first.
0: My weird shit of the week was sent in by a listener. <laughs> <laughs> a listener named Pratiksha. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So, you pretty much couldn't even find your own WSOTWs. I just
0: think we should honor our loyal listener that took the time to send us in a Weird Shit of the Week (laughs) to be featured on this episode. So, thank you, Pratisha, for your time. Don't listen to Liam. So, the headline for My Weird Shit is, she didn't know she was pregnant until her baby was born in the toilet. (laughs) in the toilet <laughs> and then the byline is the boston area mom said that in hindsight there were pregnancy signs but when she went into labor she had absolutely
1: no idea what was happening yeah like i'm sorry what so and I, and i mean tlc did a whole series on people like this i used to watch it i didn't know i was pregnant
0: i used to watch it. i didn't know i was pregnant
1: the fact that there is enough people that they could make a whole tv show out of it not just yeah like uh, that alone Jesus.
0: Yeah. Um, she said that she thought she was, uh, passing a kidney stone.
1: <laughs> oh, if that's what passing a kidney stone is like, I never want a kidney stone. But,
0: li- but listen, <laughs> she hadn't realized she had been pregnant until she gave birth to Liam while <gasps> sitting on the toilet.
1: No <laughs> way. No way. I did not know the baby name was Liam. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, now I love it. Yeah. So. Like now
0: I love it. <laughs> um, She was 38. She th- said she thought she was experiencing menstrual pains. And then she got her fiance to call 911 and then she said she felt something rush out of her she looked in the toilet and screamed because she thought she lost an organ so she freaked out Is the out. baby okay because the, baby... the baby in the toilet because she thought it was just an organ and then oh her, husband so and was like, her husband came and was like her husband came and was like nah that's a fucking baby and then he well first of all it.
1: how did she get out of the bathroom aren't they attached with an umbilical cord like wasn't she
0: dragging him <laughs> out <laughs> what I don't know, I didn't do the reporting on this. This is fucked. Okay, her fiance told today parents that he initially thought the bloody baby was quote a giant dookie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but obviously it
1: wasn't. Oh, come on. <laughs> obviously it wasn't because it was way too big. <laughs> <laughs> it was also covered in like, I don't know. what's the word amniotic fluid? Just fuck. So yeah. The baby
0: was not breathing right away.
1: I was going to say... Um, but
0: after re- being rescued from the toilet and being cleaned <laughs> off, he started breathing and crying, and then they said it became a celebration.
1: What the That's- fuck? <laughs> That's my
0: weird shit. and um,
1: Literal weird shit. It makes like, me want to like, watch... Literal yeah, weird literal shit. Living shit. Okay, well, I wouldn't call the baby <laughs> living shit
0: makes me want to watch the TLC show again, because I actually liked it. Yeah,
1: whatever happened this to that how, show or those people? This
0: was how every episode went. It was like, I didn't know I was pregnant, and I went to take a dump, and then I had a baby. <laughs> that's that's how every episode of that show went.
1: The thing is, I remember an episode of that show, and it was like this this girl, cheerleader, like super tiny, super tiny, and she, did, she was one of the women who didn't know and it was like she clearly looked pregnant really was fully pregnant and was just like i just thought i gained weight like but what
0: about like not getting your period
1: yeah honestly what about all the other things that would anyways um my weird shit of the week isn't as exciting as that one but it is kind of cool personally it's 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 actually a bucket list thing of mine it's uh headline is georgia man receives final paycheck of $915 in oil-covered pennies with a "fuck you" note. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Was not his the. Job? Not what the, was his job? I don't know. Oh, it, he worked at an auto shop, and he got a little note that said "fuck you" on his ninety thousand pennies. He got. I guess he he did not like the place he was working, and um, they they butted heads a lot. Sounds like one yeah. of his quotes is. After Miles Walker of AOK Walker AutoWorks continued to be the asshole he is and make a normal workday hell, making unnecessary comments about my boyfriend's daughter and just being an all-around dick, that two weeks turned into five days. And then he got his $915 in pennies. Also, pretty much just getting $915 in pennies, it says it weighs about uh 504 pounds. Oh, wow. So, you know, just dealing with that in general Jesus. and just seeing that many pennies would be kind of cool. Sorry, like, how
0: were they delivered to him on his doorstep?
1: He got it. Um, Just a pile of pennies. He just got a pile. I don't know where they were. They were all soaked in greasy oil and Ew. dumped on his driveway.
0: Oh my god, they dump truck that shit on his
1: driveway. <laughs> the greasy oil is like really cool to me, like that alone. Can you
0: imagine him showing up to the bank? I'd like to make a deposit.
1: For real. Also, I feel like, y- you know that scene from Scrooge, like the cartoon one, Donald Duck or-, or whoever it is, I don't know, but he jumps into his big like pile of gold coins. Yeah. I feel like the only way you could do that is if they were greased up. So I would jump into that pile of coins.
0: You'd jump into a pile of greasy, dirty, filthy pennies.
1: Yeah, just to see.
0: See what? (laughs)
1: Just to see what the sensation would be.
0: (laughs) I hate that. I hate that. It'd be kind
1: of cool. No, it wouldn't. You'd definitely get slipped up, yeah.
0: That's disgusting. I feel like I can't even think of cash in the same way now post-COVID. I can't think of, like... Coins especially.
1: You wanna know something really gross? What? When I was like a kid, like too old still probably, I used to like suck on quarters. Oh my god. How and old like, is too old? Like nine, ten years old. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Liam. Ew. Like just loose change. Don't even Don't camera.
0: suck on quarters or you'll <laughs> end up like Liam.
1: Um, that's a great place to end up. I'm on a podcast. Not for long. <laughs> That was WSOTW, baby. As per usual, weird.
0: (laughs) Today, as we mentioned, we're talking about religion Mm -hmm. and gayness. I guess we're mostly focusing... (laughs) Whoa. Oh my God. He's having a stroke. He's giving birth. (laughs) I guess we're mostly focusing on... Christianity.
1: Yeah, Judeo-Christian religions. Yeah. I'm not religious. I was raised Catholic. I was baptized. I went to catechism, which is like Catholic evening school where you're learning about Jesus. Yeah, you need to do that before your communion. I didn't have a confirmation... Which is another Catholic thing sometimes they do, but it's not, like, required. You do need to go through communion to take the body of Christ and the blood of Christ in church. (laughs) Catholicism is... Yeah, I have, obviously, being gay, very difficult relationships with churches in general.
0: Yeah, well, do you identify as Catholic today?
1: No, I wouldn't say I'm a practicing Catholic. I say I'm raised Catholic, because I do think that informed a lot of who I am. Like, we used to go to church when I was a kid. We stopped going, like, when I was probably, I don't know, like, nine?
0: I used to go to church, I think, on, like, Christmas, when I was young.
1: Yeah, we we used to go every Sunday, and then we'd also do Christmas Eve. We didn't do midnight mass. I know people do that, which is, like... That's a little too much. Midnight? At midnight? Yeah, you go at midnight. Why? I don't know. I actually, the thing is, I remember like sermons, I guess they're called. Anyways, I remember them, but I don't remember anything that was said. Like, I actually don't know what the priest would do when he'd go up there and talk.
0: Do you remember what church you went to?
1: Yeah, it was um Precious Roman Blood a parish or something. Precious Roman blood. Yeah, they all have, like, they're all, all Catholic churches have these weird.
0: Weird names.
1: Yeah, like, like blood or just parish of the holy body, Christ. Yeah. I don't know. The one in Cloverdale, was it? Honestly, it's nice inside, but the, we used to go to a church in, that was more like in the valley, and that was nicer. Like that church was like very beautiful. Really, I liked that one. Yeah, and the the priest was younger; he was cooler. The priest at the Precious Roman Blood was like an old man. I don't know. Again, I don't know what he talk about. And the other thing with with going to church is you sing these songs, and there's like books in the pews with all the the hymns, mm-hmm. and they'd have a sign up that says what the hymns are. But there'd be like four different books, so I'd be—I'd literally be scrambling to find the page or the song or like what book it. Did in everyone and like, just seem to know where it was? And everyone just knew. Everyone would just yeah. be singing. They'd be like, la, la la la," and I'd be like, "I, I don't know where it is. Yeah. I can't even sing along. I don't know." And then I'd just be like humming. I'd be like, ah. <laughs> "Yeah,
0: I feel like I would just bullshit my way through."
1: Yeah, for the most part. Like, Like,
0: what do you say when you don't, when you don't know the words, when you're trying to lip sync a song, like, watermelon.
1: (laughs) Everyone else is like, like, Jesus has risen. And and you're just like, watermelon. watermelon. (laughs) For real?
0: Yeah, I don't remember church at all. I oh, really? I think I stopped going super young. I literally don't remember church in the slightest. But I know, like, my parents had told me we used to go on Christmas. But that I must have stopped when I was super young.
1: I remember there's, like, kind of, like, four main segments to church. And it always it's always, like, an hour, I feel like. I don't know, but it felt, like, longer. I'd get so bored. I'd get so bored. I could not follow. Anyways, um, they, the priest would come up and talk. And then he'd read from the Bible. And he'd have the altar boys and they'd be like walking in with the cross. And then you go up and you take the piece of bread kind of thing. It's like a wafer. And then he blesses you. And if you're too young, you don't get the wafer. But you have to go through like communion. And then um, we, at our church, there was no wine. But most churches, they also have this big goblet of wine. You take a sip of wine and then you go back and you, yeah, and then you go and sit and then you do your prayer and then they pass around the basket where you put the money in and what else? Oh yeah. And then you also look around and you shake hands with everyone and you say, peace be with you (laughs) and also with you and you shake everyone's hand and you say, peace be with you, peace be with you. It's like a nice moment. And then you all leave. And when you go in, you have to bless yourself and you have to kneel before you get into the pews and then you have to pray when you get in and then there's like another moment for prayer and then you pray again when you leave.
0: I don't even know what to say to any of that. I don't. But yeah. It's all so foreign to me. I'm like, okay. I feel like for the longest time I considered myself like for sure an atheist. Like mm. I just, there's no higher power. Like we're all just going to die and rot in the ground and that's just the way it works. Yeah. Um, now I feel a little bit more, what's the word, agnostic, mm. where I'm like, okay, there could be, or maybe there's not, like, I don't really
1: know. I still believe in God, I just don't have faith in the church, because the Catholic yeah. church has done so, like, it is one of the oldest institutions that still exists, first yeah. of all, and they have just committed so many atrocities, like, yeah. there have been some evil people in the church. And then also, and then I'm not even really, as a gay person, like, you're not even accepted into the Catholic Church. Yeah. Not the Catholic Church. I know there are branches of Christianity and, like, other Christians, like Guthrie. Yeah. Who, you know, have more accepting views from their religion and they're from the Bible but, um, yeah, the Catholic Church is still is still pretty no-no. And that's, yeah. all, that's the only experience I've had. I don't know what it's like to be gay and, and Jewish or gay and Muslim, which are all those, again, Judeo-Christian religions. And Eastern religions, I'm not sure either. I don't know. I just feel like religion in general is probably not super accepting of gay people.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because when researching Guthrie, his book... Mm-hmm. Um, mentions how many people like identify as progressive Christians in America. And it's like a large number. Like the last survey, it was like 35 million or something. For sure. Which, like, I just feel like I associate Christian with conservative and I associate Christian with anti LGBTQ and mm-hmm. anti abortion and all of those things that I hate. For <laughs> you sure. know? So I feel like I have a bit of like a knee jerk reaction when I hear that someone is like, religious because oh, yeah. I'm like like as a gay person when I hear you're religious I'm kind of a little bit weary a little bit like Uh-oh. okay yeah because like one time I remember uh, when I was working at Starbucks I had a coworker and she was a Jehovah's Witness which is a whole other thing
1: yeah where we live there are some of those you know Backwoods religious types. Like JWs,
0: say. Mormons, whole other topic, another episode. I could go on about
1: what I think about. <laughs> That's all shade.
0: Nah. Um, <laughs> but she was a JW, and I was trying, like, I wasn't being, like, rude, but I was, like, genuinely curious to talk to her about her religion. And I was like, don't y'all hate gay people? <laughs> and she was like, no, we're very open-minded, very accepting of... Gay people, all lifestyle choices. She emphasized oh, the word choice. Yeah, she was like, "We're very accepting of all of that." And I was like, oh, "Okay." Like I was like pleasantly surprised. I was uh-huh. like, "That's nice." I was like, "So could I become a JW?" And she was like, "No." She was <laughs> like, "Absolutely not." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> okay. well, you don't like me that
1: much." Um, then we're so accepting, but not you.
0: <laughs> we accept you, but you cannot join us.
1: Yeah. Cool. I knew a girl when I worked at McDonald's. She was from uh, Zimbabwe name is Tashinga. She was a really sweet woman, super 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 sweet. We'd work yeah. late night shifts together like 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. So we always would talk. And I don't know what church she was in. She said she was Christian, but she was basically it sounded like a cult. Like she was like Jesus. we only interact with people inside our church. We believe that everyone who's in our church is chosen to be oh, in our church. God. And you can't really join, you either are naturally born to be in this church or you're not. And she and her friends when they would come in, they'd like they looked Amish. Like
0: Really? I don't
1: know how to describe it other than they looked Amish.
0: Oh my god.
1: And I don't know where they lived or what but it was like uh, and they'd get like an ice cream cone and be like tee hee. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, did, I know. did she dress
0: Amish when she
1: worked? She wore like um, a floor length skirt. Okay. She did not wear pants. Okay, like it w- because of her church, she wore. Yeah, a skirt. that sounds
0: like a situation. It was Amish yeah. people. Like so many episode possibilities when we think about different <laughs> subcategories of I religion. Know. We could get a Scientology. Whole... I was
1: literally waiting to bring that up because I'm, yeah. I yeah yeah Scientology would be
0: awesome.
1: Is cuckoo, nutso. so. Scientology is probably the only religion I believe in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're actually Scientologists.
1: <laughs> is there even Scientology? In, yeah, there is. There's, There's a Scientology,
0: Scientology center in Vancouver. That's right. I've yeah. wanted to go in before. Like, i walked past it, and I, wanna, like, kinda, I want to, like, kind of... I'd literally
1: be scared that they wouldn't let you out. I
0: know. I was like... I want to hear what they have to say but then also like I've heard they lock you in a room and make yeah. you spend a lot of money.
1: Yeah, they, they, they do that free like test and then they tell yeah. you you're depressed and then they like the only way you can be not depressed is if you spill all your secrets to us and we record it and then we use it as leverage against you.
0: They would beg me to leave if I started spilling my secrets. <laughs> I would keep them there overnight.
1: <laughs> They'd be like no, no! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're, Scientology, we're not going into that on no. this
1: episode. Well, we, I'm yeah. Scientology, Mormonism.
0: We'll get into all the man-made religions um, in another episode. <laughs> <Religion>. <laughs> so stay tuned. <laughs>
1: uh, Scientology is awesome. What are you talking about?
0: I mean, going back to just Catholicism, I guess I have only experienced like a Catholic tradition type thing once.
1: Uh-huh. What was it? you
0: <laughs> and it was like I was photographing a Catholic w- wedding, uh-huh. and it was so long. Oh yeah. It was so long. It was one of my, one of my first weddings I did. And I was like, holy fuck. Like there were so many like traditional things that they did, Mm -hmm. like involving a veil and and, like a rope and chairs and like all of them. I was like, holy sh- (laughs) what the fuck is going on? And then every time people had- to pass through the pews or whatever they did like the yeah. cross thing but I had to pass through them so many times like running around trying to take pictures of this wedding and I didn't know if I, I was disrespectful. <laughs> so I was doing it like so fast like every time
1: <laughs> I was like holy fuck yeah you have to take the holy water and do it too because they leave the, the door yeah so
0: I don't think I disrespected anyone I don't think anyone <laughs> I think everyone knew I wasn't a Catholic. <laughs> But it was literally so long and boring, so...
1: Yeah, Easter, like, Catholic Easter, that's a whole other thing. I used to get just religious presents for Easter.
0: Like, good ones?
1: No, like, picture frames that were just, like, blessed by Jesus, like, that's what Mm. it would say on it, like, or just, like, just Christian iconography, I guess. Yeah. Bibles... Stuff like that. Yeah, I just remember like um, we would do church in the morning, and then we'd have like a little brunch kind of vibe. Then we'd do the Easter egg thing. Then we'd have like an Easter dinner, and all of these all of these events would also include some sort of Jesus moment.
0: Brunch sounds nice.
1: I don't love. I don't love brunch. I yeah, Liam like,
0: like doesn't like breakfast food, which is so crazy to me.
1: Yeah, like I don't go out for brunch, and I'm like,
0: oh my god. I love brunch. I love breakfast food. Yeah, you're
1: fucked up and evil. I
0: love going out for brunch.
1: I like getting drunk in the morning.
0: I love mimosas. <laughs> I love... Literally, I look forward to breakfast. When I lay you know. my head down on the pillow at night, I think, what am I going to have for breakfast? I'm so excited to oh, have yeah. breakfast.
1: You're just effed up, yeah. I think you're effed up. Anyways, I one thing I wanted to say. Do you Did you ever watch those those religious cartoon movies? Like, do you remember, like, Prince of Egypt?
0: I loved Prince of Egypt. Yeah,
1: Prince of Egypt was a great movie, but that's literally a Bible story.
0: I know. And I don't even think I made that connection in my brain. I just thought, um, this is a killer movie. (laughs) Like, this is awesome. And then Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey sing at the end? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, they do? Yeah. Oh, I did not even know. Many nights we pray.
0: That song being religious, <laughs> yeah. and me loving that song so much. When you believe, you've never heard it.
1: I must. I mean, I watch that movie all the time. That, but like that whole moment of just like those movies, like so weird to think about now. Oh yeah, uh, the Ten Commandments, Joseph King of Dreams. Wait, listen to this.
0: This plays at the credits of Prince of Egypt. You've never heard this? No. So I can only imagine if I was religious, that would fucking.
1: Well, I honestly didn't clue in for a while either because that's like one of the, you know, at least the plagues and stuff. That's a darker Bible story, but yeah. they, in the Bible it's more just about like Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments and
0: parted the sea. It was badass. Mm-hmm. The fucking locusts coming through
1: for real. That yeah. shit was crazy. Yeah, don't that fuck was... with God. Don't fuck with God. No, blood of the lamb over the door. That's that's what it's like to be Catholic. <laughs>
0: I feel like I was attracted to him <laughs> who the guy in the movie
1: the king or the no oh no Moses Moses yeah he was a little too scrawny
0: I don't know I feel was like also I was a cartoon into him. man so <laughs> I was a child
1: yeah that's true you know who was a cute cartoon man that one guy from sixteen. Do you remember 16? That, that TV show? Oh, were they 16. always at the mall? Teen, yeah.
0: I feel like being sexually attracted to cartoons is just a normal part of adolescence.
1: Yeah, for sure. So don't shame me. The tall one.
0: Oh yeah, he's cute. <laughs> me sing up now. <laughs> oh yeah, he's cute. <laughs> a literal cartoon. <laughs> I want to be Mrs.
1: Moses. <laughs> it's it's his first name. What's his last name? I don't know. The other thing is, if you read the Bible, the first, like, couple chapters, you know, <laughs> not chapters, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of just, like, this person gave birth to this person who gave birth to this person who had this many children. Really? Yeah.
0: I've never... Have you read the whole Bible? No. I've never read the Bible, I really but... i
1: passages. I
0: remember one time, because I have a Bible at my home, I remember one time... Well, I guess it's my parents' Bible. But anyways, I remember one time I was thinking like just maybe i'll read the bible out of interest and i was like like to my dad i was like what story should i read and he was like the one about adam and eve or whatever what's that story called i don't know the
1: very beginning genesis
0: and so i started to read that and it was so fucking boring (laughs) well yeah (laughs) the I, i was expecting a gripping tale of
1: no it is descriptive
0: it was so descriptive and so it is just it literally just describes. Yeah.
1: God did this that day. God did this that day. God did yeah. this that day. It didn't give me a lot of theatrics. No, that doesn't happen till till Jesus in the New Testament when like the when he goes back up to ascends to heaven and the the cloth and the church rips.
0: What's the story where he gets nailed to a cross?
1: The crucifixion. That's did I
0: tell you about the play? I I. Technically directed?
1: Were you crucified someone or or what? Where it was the crucifixion play? No. So
0: I took a class at UBC uh-huh. and it was a requirement. <laughs> oh, yes. It, it, was my, <laughs> I this. it was my 16th century literature requirement. And it was just so dull and boring. Like a lot of it was like Middle English. Like, okay. And um, a lot of it was religious, obviously. Uh-huh. And my professor was a little quirky, kooky uh-huh. lady, and she wanted to put on a play at the end of the semester of the crucifixion. And so we all had to pick our parts. Like, people volunteered to be actors, hair and makeup, costumes, sets. Oh, yeah, that's right. I didn't, really didn't want to do anything, so I volunteered to be the director because mm. I knew that people would, like, I'm the- self-direct. <laughs> it's a fucking class play. Like, I really didn't do anything. I got a great mark, though. Oh. Anyways, um, so the set people... Literally got a giant cross Whoa. on a on a pulley, and they like brought it up the elevator. We had to do this in a special building to fit this height of the cross. <laughs> um, and one guy played Jesus, and other people were the were the workmen nailing him,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, nailing him. Yeah. She invited, like, faculty to watch.
1: Like, other teachers? Like, other
0: professors to come Jeez. watch. The class had just an audience sitting there watching us put on this play of the crucifixion. And she was so happy. Like, her at the end was, like, clapping, like, yes!
2: <laughs> yes, brother! I,
0: I love like, that. Oh, and we, like, sang, like, yes? Middle English religious songs li- as part of this production. <laughs> I was in the audience. I would stand up, uh-huh. like, at the right time, and we would all start singing. I love that. That's awesome. So that was an experience.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. (laughs) That sounds ideal, personally. (laughs) You wear a cross sometimes, is that? No, I don't. Don't you have a cross necklace? I don't have like a real cross, no. But don't you have a
0: cross necklace?
1: Yeah, but it was from H&M.
0: But do you wear that as a religious symbol or just because
1: it's cute? No, just because it's nice to... I don't have, like, a true cross. Yeah. Like, I don't have, like... That's, like, a line I know a lot of people do, or they have, like, a saint or something. So if someone asked, are you Christian, you would say... No. I would say, I'm spiritual. That's my answer. When I was in Hawaii one time, we went to the... Because there's a lot of Mormons in Hawaii... Me and my mom went to the Polynesian Cultural Center, which was very cool. But it's, I don't know, like owned by Mormons or something, I guess. Oh, yeah. Because at the end of it, they're like, oh, like, do you want a free trip to the church, the LDS church? And like come see the grounds. It's very beautiful. We're like, okay. And then we go and they're like asking us, they start like, you know, giving us pamphlets and there's like this card you fill out about like what religion you are. And then they like- This is in Hawaii? Yeah. Oh wow. And I didn't know LDS was Latter-day Saints and I didn't know that was a different term for Mormon. And I was yeah. like, "Oh, this is a Mormon church. It was a beautiful grounds, Please. but I was also just like there's probably people in the walls." Head
0: of the Mormon Church of Hawaii is Bradman
1: Rock. No way.
0: You're believing that? Is You're he Mormon? That? I just thought maybe he's Mormon. <laughs> no, he's not Mormon. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. You, I don't know. Somebody tells know. me Brett McRock is not Mormon. Well, so, I, there's I a lot a of people incline. who are
1: Scientologists who you would not expect. John Travolta. Well, that's a famous one. Elizabeth Moss. Is yeah, that that's a bummer because I like her. Yeah. And she's like in The Handmaid's Tale. Literally. Like, hello. And it's a very oppressive church.
0: Um, I'm manifesting this episode on Mormonism featuring one of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. <laughs> that's my manifestation of the day.
1: They are booked and busy.
0: <laughs> I'll get them on the off-season. <laughs> <Jen Cha? laughs>
1: oh, good luck.
0: <laughs> I'll just call the prison.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're
1: I love that for are A little her. chatty
0: today. Yeah, so we are. might be a little long one.
1: Lots to talk about when it comes to religion.
0: But I don't have anything else to say until our interview.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much all.
0: Our guest today is a fellow with the Faith and Progressive Policy Initiative at the Center for American Progress and has worked for years at the intersection of public policy and religion. In his new book, Just Faith, he talks about his journey as a proud gay man and an unapologetic Christian.
1: So we're so excited to welcome to the pod, Guthrie Graves Fitzsimmons. Hello.
0: Hi. Hi. How are you feeling?
2: I'm feeling great. I have both my Pfizer doses. I'm ready to live again. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah well we're a little slower up here in canada yeah so. yeah we have not been vaccinated yet unfortunately you guys are really picking up the pace though which is great for you <laughs> y'all y'all handled it a
2: lot better up there though overall <laughs>
0: well i just want to talk about because in the introduction of your book you proclaim that you are a progressive christian born raised and unapologetic to many people unfamiliar with progressive Christianity, that can seem like kind of a juxtaposition. I just wanted to talk about like your journey with Christianity and how that kind of intersected with your sexuality.
2: Sure. And thank you for having me on the podcast. I was raised in a pretty progressive church in Houston, Texas. My parents are both labor union organizers, and I was always involved in protests and activism. And, you know, there were LGBTQ people around me from as long as I can remember. And then I didn't really ever hear an anti-gay message from the pulpit in my church. I'm very lucky. So many friends have been traumatized and not just, I mean, so many people have been traumatized by religion, by all different kinds of religions and Christianity in particular. And so I never really heard an anti-message. And then when I was in high school, we got a new minister and her son was gay. Her son still is gay. Uh, And she was an outspoken advocate for LGBTQ rights. She had been Grand Marshal of Pride in Houston, and actually proclaimed uh, welcome and acceptance and affirmation. And uh, so that was a pretty lucky experience for me as a teenager, as I was sort of—I always knew I was gay. I didn't really come out until my until I was in college, but uh, I just had that. So I I I knew it wasn't going to be a problem for like anyone in my. Uh, church. And um, so that was, that was nice. And when I was in college, I actually prayed with my Methodist uh, college uh, chaplain, like as I came out for courage and strength. And, you know, there were so many feelings going on as I came out and to be able to have the church be a refuge rather than this place that I was like running from and was trying to like harm me that makes me really appreciative of the role the church has been in my life so i feel compelled to change the church for the to make sure that experience is less the outlier and sort of like people are like wow that was your experience and more the norm hopefully in my lifetime that will be what everyone experiences growing up
1: Well, I love that you've had such a great experience with the church. I I mean, that's something that can be uh, very difficult for people. So that's awesome that you've had that. I do want to I'm kind of curious, how do you respond to people who hold those maybe more conservative traditional views of how the church responds to uh, homosexuality? And just being a member of the LGBTQ community.
2: Well, I thankfully don't have to respond to them a lot because (laughs) I have a nice bubble. My husband is a pastor. I'm around uh, just LGBTQ affirming people all the time and a lot of friends that are ministers. I went to seminary and, you know, it wasn't even a question at the seminary I went to. And thankfully, we found a church here and now I live in Louisville, Kentucky, and go to a Baptist church and the Baptist church is very excited to celebrate our wedding. And it was lovely. So I'm, I'm grateful actually that in my day-to-day life, I don't actually come into contact with um, many homophobic Christians, but they do like respond to me on social media and send me hate mail because I write a lot and, you know, they find me in other ways. And sometimes it's scary. Like when someone called my phone, and I didn't know how they got my phone number and just started ranting at me. I'm like, "How'd you get my phone number?" And they wouldn't say. And I'm always worried that like someone uh, may really not like what I'm saying and like come after me some way. Thankfully, that that that's about as worse as it's got for me is like hate mail and hate calls. So some of it's scary, and then a lot of it, I realize people know they're losing, and so they're acting out. It's like. A, baby that knows it has to take a nap and, it, you know, babies act the worst right before you put them down. And so there people know what way the Holy spirit as a Christian would say, you know, the Holy spirit is moving where society is moving, where the church is moving more and more churches are affirming the God given dignity of LGBTQ people. So the kind of really conservative anti-LGBTQ bigots who, uh, you know, wrap their bigotry in God, I think are, are scared of that and are acting out in that way because of how scared they are.
0: As a progressive Christian, and I know you mentioned this in your book, you must face sort of pushback from people who maybe share your progressive views, but not your religious ones. And then obviously vice versa. So could you tell us how you've Kind of handled that and navigated that
2: sure yeah that's a great question and there is i want to say that skepticism of religion does come from a good place so many people have been harmed by religious communities they've seen the worst of religion especially people that are coming out of like a fundamentalist like really closed off religion like where uh, if they leave they get cut off from their family like people have I don't want to minimize at all the harm that is done in the name of religion, but we also need to understand the diversity of religious belief. And I experience some people who are not religious and yet are progressive and, you know, are are involved in social justice movements and racial justice, economic justice, all the kinds of activism that I'm involved in. They don't want anything to do with religion. They don't want any mention of God at a protest. They don't want any mention of, you know, any mention of religion is somehow equated with the worst of religion. And any kind of, well, I'm a progressive Christian is somehow not acknowledging the harm. And I can do, you can do both. We all have many breaths, many things to say. We can say multiple things that are all true. Like religion causes a lot of harm. And throughout history, people have been inspired by their faith to do good. Both those things can be true at the same time.
0: Yeah. So
2: it's frustrating when I hear like, keep God out of it, keep God out of, you know, uh, at pride or something, you know, they don't want to see the churches at pride. And it's like, well, actually there are some churches that want uh recognize and you have to repent too. It's very important to, to repent of when you've done wrong. And so a lot of churches that are now, uh, celebrate same-sex marriage and welcome people. Have done a lot of harm in the past that they need to repent of. So that's true too. There are many, there are many facets to this. But yeah. the idea that we should just get rid of religion or that all religion is bad, we have to acknowledge that that is harmful when you uh, kind of blanket try to get rid of religion.
0: I feel like I would be so excited if I saw a church. Flow <laughs> right. <at Pride. laughs>
2: like, that would be so fun. I've marched in so many prides like with churches there was, I was in seminary in New York city. And so I was working at this church and, We had this giant float, you know, that was like had a gospel choir on it and it was singing and we were marching around it and people loved it. I think a lot of I think most people are would be excited to see churches and, and do celebrate when they see churches at Pride. Even if they themselves had a bad experience, it's like it can be healing to know that that your experience wasn't the only one. I think that kind of
1: leans into uh, another thing you've talked about, which is how the religious right has really hijacked religion. How do you think progressives and progressive Christians respond to that? Or how do you think they should navigate that going forward? We
2: should defeat them. Defeat them in the (laughs) the public in arguments about what the... So there's a few angles to how to do that. The first is being willing to have that debate, we're not always going to all get along. Like anyone that's involved in politics knows things that are put up for a vote. Rarely everybody votes the same way. And in an election, you know, there are different people running and they all have different views. And, you know, we can't all, there's an impulse um, by well-meaning people again to want to like find consensus where we all agree. And that's not always, that's rarely going to happen. And so we have to be willing to debate conservative people who, you know, cite various, you know, six Bible verses that supposedly condemn homosexuality, right? There's six of them. It's a real, all of those verses are taken out of context. All those verses are manipulated and weaponized in a way that totally doesn't make sense when they were written and is totally part of an agenda of the far right now just to, you know, win politically and kind of perpetuate white supremacy. But we have to be willing to have that argument, which is a little uncomfortable for some people. The second part is we have to be acknowledge the diverse. And that goes back to what I was just saying, that acknowledge the diversity of beliefs. There's a, a tendency to call out the, the, I don't know what it's like necessarily in Canadian politics. I should, I was on a Canadian podcast recently and we were talking about, uh, they're giving different examples of, of this in Canadian politics. But in American politics, there's a, a way to call like call out how like Donald Trump and the evangelicals that like Trump. And it's like, great, you know, you can do that. But there's also people like our current president, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, like Reverend Raphael Warnock, who's now United States senator from Georgia, that are doing amazing work for the, uh, for the common good, for social justice because of their faith. And it's like, hello, (laughs) you, if you spend all of your breath calling out the religious right, you also need to acknowledge the good that's being done.
1: On that note, too, I think really recently in the uh, 2020 Democratic primary, you know, we had Pete Buttigieg, an out proud Christian man, who won Iowa, how was seeing
2: his campaign for you? Very inspiring to have our first openly gay presidential candidate. Not my cho- not my choice in the primary. I was Elizabeth Warren Stan, who also talked a lot about her faith. But I really appreciated Mayor Pete, now Secretary Pete. And I love how open he was about his faith in a way that was very refreshing. He said coming out drew him closer to God. He talked about how Mike Pence, didn't understand uh, and a very right-wing Christian, like uh, didn't understand um, Christian teaching and all of his hate and anti-LGBTQ views. And then one amazing thing he said was the more like you read the Bible and the more, uh, you know, you practice your faith, it makes you more progressive. I <laughs> I really love that when he said it, I was like, it's true. Uh, and that really set people off, you know, on the right. And That kind of, that's what, that's what I mean by unapologetic. It's not saying, well, you know, let's keep faith out of it or let's people believe differently. It's like, no, I, I believe what I believe and I'm going to be open about it. And I also want to just caution. There's a lot, I, I loved everything Pete did. And it's also fine if people don't, aren't religious and, and you have to walk this fine line where it's like, yes, it's great for everybody to be authentic about their beliefs, But that doesn't mean you need to. We're a secular democracy and people of any faith or no faith should be able to uh, be elected to office, which is why people like Ilhan Omar, who is just one of the most exciting congresswomen we have in the country and is Muslim. You know, we always want to be lifting up different religious traditions because there's no one right religion in terms of public elected to office
1: we also kind of wanted to touch on something that at least i've noticed more so recently in the last you know few months with the republican party in the states is there's been a drive to kind of reinstate this anti-lgbtq policy platform in a more vocal way specifically when it comes to trans people and trans children what's your take on how democrats in congress should respond
2: well democrats In the U.S. House of Representatives passed the Equality Act, which is historic legislation that will enact federal LGBTQ non-discrimination protections. Right now, we just have a patchwork system where some states have protections and some cities do, but every state and city is basically up to itself. So it will enact federal protections. And then what you see from the Republican Party is sadly... After marriage equality passed, they kind of realized from their own perspective that they'd lost that battle. So then they quickly pivoted to attacking trans people, which is just you know terrible and disgusting in every way that they would attack one of the most marginalized groups in our country that suffers the most. Republicans would single them out to attack them more. And just create, it's it's terrible to even repeat all the things the Republicans say about trans people. And then, so on top of that, right, so for the past few years, they've been attacking, really just singling out trans people for attacks. And then now you see them attacking trans children. So within the trans community, you go after even the more vulnerable people, trans children, and try to attack them. And they do that because the community is, is so small that Uh, you know, not everyone doesn't know someone that's trans in the same way that they might know someone that's gay, lesbian, bi. And so there's just less familiarity, but they're using that as an excuse to like single out and discriminate against people. And so these anti-trans bills, these anti-trans sports bills, which are just bizarre. but And now Republicans are the great defenders of, of uh, women's sports. You hear the Republicans talking a lot about now and they think there will be no more cis girls in sports. At, I mean, I, I watched yeah. the entire debate on the Equality Act all day and listened to all these Republican speeches and they were like, Venus and Serena Williams, forget about them. They, they're, they'll be gone. Everyone will be gone. All the cis girls and cis women in sports tomorrow, you know, won't be able to compete ever again. It, I mean, just far-fetched hyperbole and made-up mistruths. So, hopefully, sadly, they're gonna pass in some Republican controlled states. But I think that will also cause people to see the necessity of passing federal protections that will apply to in these states that will never pass them by themselves.
0: I just like can't make sense of gay or LGBTQ plus people, gay and trans people who supported Trump or who are are proud Republicans, like make that make sense <laughs> in my brain. <laughs>
2: like, Well, I think most of them are probably white And value kind of their whiteness over their, you know, there are different parts of our identity. So for someone that's very rich, for instance, and doesn't want to pay low and doesn't Democrats are generally going to make you pay more taxes to fund more programs to allow people that don't have enough, you know, to have some living standard of living, right? Yeah. And if you're if you're very rich and gay, maybe you value your money over you know your solidarity with other LGBTQ people. Or if you're white and you're you know you buy into these white supremacist things that Trump talked about and keeping out immigrants and you know turning a blind eye when there were white supremacists marching in Charlottesville. Maybe you know your whiteness is more important to you than your LGBTQ uh, identity and. Thankfully, that's what the Republicans try to do, which is divide communities. But, you know, I think what most LGBTQ people recognize is that all civil rights, all human rights are interdependent and complementary. So that's why you see so many people in the LGBTQ community who are white marching in Black Lives Matter protests and being active for climate justice and immigrant rights that all justice issues are connected and so for lgbtq people and and for me personally you know i can i experience discrimination in one way but anyone that's experienced discrimination should have their eyes open to wanting to end all discrimination for sure
0: i had um last summer when all the black lives matter protests really erupted around the world i had kind of like just like a moment where I reflected on how I've been discriminated against as a gay man, but then also how privileged I've been as a white man. And so I think it's just really important, like you said, for all of these marginalized groups to kind of work together. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Um, I also have a little bit of a, a more pop culture question <laughs> that I was thinking about recently. We'll, we'll see if I know the reference. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the Lil Nas X music video, Call Me By Your Name? There was a huge backlash to that, but I want to get
2: your thoughts on it real quick. I I have, yes. (laughs) Yeah, you know, imagine imagine if all the backlash to Lil Nas X had been directed towards backlash against hate and bigotry, which are the real challenges to the gospel. That's what Christians should really be upset about is the hate and bigotry and the discrimination that Lil Nas X felt, which, you know, partly inspired this great music video that it's like, you can't have fun and you can't uh, uh, pull dance to hell. I mean, (laughs) and also actually because of this, I was, I was looking in um, doing some research about dancing and I was like, we don't talk enough about the anti-dancing Christian views. And it was only very recently, I, I don't remember the exact year, I think it was the 90s that this Baptist University in Texas, Baylor University, which is where near where I grew up, allowed dancing. Because up until then, dancing was, uh, you know, going to send you to hell, you know, <laughs> the what? slippery slope. Wow. It was a slippery slope to, you know, dancing, then sex, then orgies, then I don't know, then hell. Uh, and so it's this mindset of like everything's bad, control everybody by like controlling their sexuality and controlling their, you know, that's tied into the whole attacking women's right to abortion, you know, just control everybody. And, that will like keep the old white men in charge. Totally. So yeah. And then that plays out. And then the freak out is all about Lil Nas X rather than the harm of what Christians are actually doing. So I loved it. I mean, yeah. I, I thought it was a great video. I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah. What did y'all think? What if, I thought it was. Oh, Did like Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, I loved it.
2: The production value alone. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I love religious imagery. No matter anyone playing with religion, and it's just like that's fun and imaginative. It makes us think about religion in a new and interesting way. Like there's so much religious imagery, and actually, I have this dream idea for a book where I just like go chapter by chapter through different recording artists. Like, do a chapter on Kesha. And just like explain about the pop culture references and, and religious imagery, Florence and the machine, Beyonce has a lot of religion. Yeah. Beyonce actually, you know, this is a fun fact. Beyonce grew up Methodist like me in Houston and our area, uh, what we we're actually in the same, we didn't go to the same church, but it was in the same um, district of Methodist churches that went to the same camp. And now when you, When you go to Houston and you're, if you're near downtown, you see the Knowles, like rec center at the church that she built after she became super famous. She built this really nice, like rec center for the church. Anyway, that's my Beyonce connection. You basically,
0: (laughs) you basically know Beyonce. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, I'm not a very good singer, but I did think about going to, she went to the uh, high school for the performing and visual arts in Houston, obviously, right? She can sing very well. I cannot sing or act. I didn't, I always wanted to like be in the performing arts. I did, I did do theater in my high school. Yeah, I did want to go to that high school and I would So anyway, that's not really relevant, but. um... Anything about
0: Beyonce is relevant. Yeah, (laughs) with us it is.
1: Well, yeah, I think that pretty well wraps up everything I was uh, hoping to pick your brain about. It was so great to have you on. Thank you for the invitation. Of course, absolutely. You're welcome back anytime.
2: Yeah, that was fun.
1: (laughs) Well, have a great rest of your day.
2: Y'all too, bye.
0: Now for song of the week. My song of the week is, I'm going to actually pick Ooh, ah, by Miguel. I think that song is so sexy.
1: Ooh, ah, ooh, ah.
0: That's how it goes. I'm glad you know it. What's your I'm song? I'm doing a vocal warm up. What's
1: your song? My song
0: is um, Hot Hot by Bree Runway. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about picking that, too, even though you just showed me that last
1: week.
0: It's good. It's fun.
1: Yeah. It's like, hot, hot. You know, both of those songs, ooh, ah, hot. HOT! (laughs) Okay, well, um, yeah. I crack myself up.
0: Cool. At least one person. Thank you again to Guthrie for being on the podcast. Liam, how do you feel the chat was?
1: That was great.
0: That was honestly fun.
1: Yeah, that was a good time.
0: And he endorses pole dancing to hell.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um <laughs> <laughs> you, you can find Guthrie's book, Just Faith, Reclaiming Progressive Christianity, wherever books are sold, as well as all of his social links in the description of this episode. You can find us on Instagram at Two Servings Pod, and you can also email you can also email us any questions, ideas, or hate comments at twoservingspod at gmail.com. Please
1: hate. Please hate us. Give me a fucking review on Apple Podcasts now. Give me a fucking review. If
0: you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we would so appreciate it. It really helps us get our beautiful podcast out there to more Fruit Loops.
1: Give me a fucking review. Liam,
0: I don't want (laughs) to put all of this at the end. (laughs) Like, relax. You gotta relax.
1: Give me a review.
0: Um, (laughs) see you next time.
1: I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. (laughs)
0: Okay, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.